Hey guys, welcome to our SoulFam podcast, where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host. My name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the whole universe. Today on the show, we have Silvana Isaza, the slow living mentor. Welcome to the show, Ooh. Silvana. How are you doing? Thank you, Carolina. I'm so good. So happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, I am so happy that you're here as well, because we're going to talk about so many amazing things. I already know that. So it's just really, really exciting for me to have you on. And among others, it's going to be feminine receptivity and probably some uh, something about plant medicine. It's been a topic really alive for me recently as well. I'm even running a few ceremonies this week. So yeah, it's just really exciting to uh, to talk about it all. But I would love to start from the beginning, meaning from your journey and a little bit of backstory. And I'm super curious, especially about the spiritual awakening aspect of it. And also, how did you pick to be specifically a slow living mentor? Because I, I just think that this like this is just you nailed it. Like everyone needs to slow the fuck down. So <laughs> slow living mentor is just perfect. So I would be curious uh, to know how your journey has led you like from your spiritual awakening to uh, the mentor that you are right now. Mm, yeah, so I feel like I grew up in, in Colombia and there was a lot, there's a lot of, you know, trauma that happened in the culture because of all of the political situation back then. So that created like a um, way of relating in families that for me, a very sensitive child was too much. So everything felt so intensely and not having the resources, not having the the guidance to really learn how to process all of that. You just repress it, repress it, repress it throughout all your childhood, throughout all your teenage years. And I got to a point in my um, early 20s where I just couldn't, I couldn't keep on living with all of that repression. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to live. And that took me into a really dark space. I went in a downward spiral. I was living in Miami. I was just in this very self-destructive um, energy. And and I, I got a, a very traumatic uh, situation happened there. And whenever I got home from, from that experience, right, I, at this point, I was like an atheist because I was like, there's no way that there's a God, a benevolent God. And if it does exist, he's an asshole, you know, just like this hardened energy. And after I got back home from this super traumatic experience, I just broke down and I started praying to God, to the God that supposedly didn't exist. Um, and that was like the, I call it like my first kiss with the divine because it just, it was very gentle, very soft, but it opened me. And that opening, that opening started my journey. And in that opening, I started kind of like changing my life and, and going through all these different situations. And then I got to a point where, you know, I was like, all right, something has to change. Something has to change. And and then I plan, I found plant medicine. And for me, that was what made the whole difference. Like I went from wanting to die to being so grateful to wake up and be alive and have a human body, gratitude for being a woman, gratitude for for having the the pleasure and the opportunity of like embodying Silvana this lifetime. So that's that has been it, it was just like a I I found my spirituality trying to heal from my pain. And and having gone that to that journey in the last decade and getting to this place right now where I'm like, wow, like what comes after trauma healing? What happens when you don't longer feel broken and you feel whole and in that wholeness, 
you're like, okay, I'm here. There's nothing really to do. Like, who am I? Right. That, that's when the fun begins. And I think that's the faith in which I'm in my life right now, where I'm really enjoying, um, enjoying getting to know deeper layers of myself and learning to open up to more of my feminine nature, which is something that was was I was really disconnected from it for, for many years. Mm, wow that's a beautiful story I love how you said that it was your first kiss with the divine I think it's so cute it's such a beautiful <laughs> metaphor awesome I'm really yeah it's just it's just warming up my heart so much mm. it's, it's amazing and so what was the first plant medicine that you have done the first one was ayahuasca I okay. went straight so to straight to grandmother <laughs> Yes, yes. And I when I did it the first time, I was like, what was that? And then I did it a second time. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to work with this. So I started taking it constantly. I was just taking medicine, integrating, taking medicine, integrating to the point where um, after a few years later, I started assisting in plant medicine ceremonies and um, learning with, with a shaman, just, just helping him make sure that everything was okay for him to do his job inside the ceremony. So um, ayahuasca is a it's a huge part of who I am today it's mm. like she allowed me to really remother myself and and just creating like having the the shaman that I work with having his space there and having the trust that I had in him that I like his integrity his heart his humility and also his dignity like having that space to heal with other human beings that it, it made me it made me this version of myself Oh, that's so beautiful. And so actually the question comes into my mind when, when you're talking about it. So you've learned so much from the shamans and you're also from Colombia. So it's like very native thing for you and very natural thing for you, probably for your culture and for all the people to do these kind of things. But I know that there is a lot of like scammers out there also. And now there is like a big, I don't know, fashion for spirituality and fashion for ayahuasca and all these things. So like my question is, are first of all like how to find like a good ayahuasca shaman because a lot of people who would listen to this podcast actually maybe would be interested but because there are so many people that are actually not maybe in alignment with the light fully or you know just wanting to make money and not really fully um like taking care of the medicine and having a relationship with the medicine as well because i feel like the one of the most important things in plant medicine especially as a guide is to have your own relationship with the medicine enough to like really navigate whatever is happening and so for example i run a mushroom ceremony sometimes or uh, you know other other substances and i have such a beautiful relationship with mushroom that i know how to go <laughs> right but yeah. if someone doesn't have this relationship and then they try to you know just make money and you know just give people something um it could be it could go really, really bad. And so how do you discern, like, how do you pick a shaman? And also um, afterwards, if you could tell us, like, what is something that you need to pay attention to in terms of how the shaman runs the ceremony itself? Like, where are the red flags, you know, if if you see, or what is the, like, red flags versus what the, the, is the right way to do it so that the ceremony is actually, like, beautiful and, and in alignment and everything? Because I've heard of stories where shamans would even, like, 
um, kind of like connect energetically to the people taking ayahuasca and then like take their energy like throughout the trip and then after the journey as well and like people would be exhausted and they wouldn't even know why and then it was because of sh some shaman quote unquote would kind of like uh, you know take their energy and it's it's crazy and on if, if people don't know especially people who just start i think it's really dangerous to uh, to go to anyone so yeah i'm uh, yeah. really curious about your perspective on it well, I have a very strong opinion about this <laughs> just That's because fine. I've witnessed, I've witnessed so much abuse inside of plant medicine communities, um, spiritual abuse and emotional abuse. Right. And, and I think like, first of all, is we have to do our inner work before the medicine, meaning practice discernment and, and work on those inner childhood wounds. So we're not kind of participating in that as well with the, the shaman. Now, in a more practical perspective, I think that it's very important to drink drink medicine um, with people that have followed the traditional path, somebody that's connected to an elder and being very, very mindful of how do I say this? Like, like we're, we're journeyers, right? Like we're, we love the medicine. And like, whenever I wanted to serve it, I was like, I told the shaman, I was like, I want to serve. He's like, you learn first. Okay. Let's slow down in that process. I learned like, okay, maybe this is something that maturity, like physical age gives you a better capability of holding ceremonial space, especially for medicines like ayahuasca. So I think having somebody who is an elder mm -hmm. serving or at least being present in the ceremony as a space holder while the healing is happening is very important. Second thing, if you are a young woman and there is a young shaman and he's kind of attractive and you could potentially have sexual chemistry, do not drink medicine with that person. Do not get your, your own hormonal um, animalistic nature lead you into ceremonial spaces because that's not that's not the place and time for that i've learned that the, the hard way you know so you have to always be very mindful of of who is around like be very careful with like the way that the shamans do eye contact with you be very careful with just stories right like i i say the best defense like there's just so many things i can talk about but the best way to finding a good ceremonial space is to ask questions right? It's to prepare questions to understand how are women's safety handled? What happens if I lose control over my body? How many women are assisting? What is the ratio of, of you know, of healers and assistants versus participants? How big is the ceremony? If the ceremony is too big, think of it as like being in an orgy. Plant medicine is so intimate that it's like sex. So where, who do you want to share that space with? Taking it with that level of care and discernment and not just getting lost in the like, it's just love, it's just God, but like being being also practical, like, yes, it's just love and God, but also I have a very sensitive psyche and I've had trauma that I need to work through. So I need a lot of care and responsible um, caretaking for this, for me to go through this process. Um, I think those are very useful things. The, the right shaman, the right center, the right practitioner will answer all of your questions. And something that for, especially for women, because I, I, you know, I advocate and, and, and 
advocate for like woman safety in ceremonial space is to always ask like if I'm if I'm out like who's there who is the woman that I can count on that I can anchor to for my safety am I going to be taken away from that place they a good practitioner has zero issues answering all of your questions about safety because you're basically you're you're dropping your mental defenses and you're opening up to whatever energy is available. So if you're with a predatory person, it can be potentially dangerous. You know, you can think that you're in love with a shaman that is, you know, 99 year old man that is just like, yeah, come live in this little hut in the jungle with me. And you're like this, you know, you're like you, Carolina, you're like, oh my God, yes. Like that's, it doesn't make sense to the mind, but that's, I've seen that happen multiple times in ceremonial spaces because of lack of ethical practices. So I really recommend like if, if there's anybody listening that's interested in this to connect with, uh, I think it's called Entheon. Oh God, I forgot the name, but there is an organization that focuses on trauma-informed ceremonial space and safety practices for that. So just doing your research and, and trusting your heart, your intuition. And if something doesn't feel good, it's not your ego. It's not the fear of the ceremony. Like trust that. Even if every if there's like five shamans around you tell you that's the darkness, that's your ego, just let go and surrender. If you don't feel safe, it's a hell no. And, and honor that first and foremost. That's yeah, <laughs> I feel you because I've also had an experience like this when, you know, I was developed, let's say, by like self-claimed guru in a way. And I've had experiences where he like, you know, this would be like an abuse, you know, just kind of like uh, wrapping everything in spirituality and like, you know, making girls do something that they don't even want to do. But if they don't want to do it, it's your ego and like you should let go or like, oh, if you don't want it, then maybe you have some kind of like you're possessed by like evil beings or whatever. Just exactly. Whatever manipulation, right? Like it's, it's, yes. it's classic manipulation. So when we talk about it, just pay attention to these red flags. Like if something like that happens, just, you know, let it ding ding in your mind like hey maybe it's not the right uh, person or not the right place but i'm also like curious about the ratio like what do you think is the right ratio of like shamans versus people because for example i've heard that uh, here in costa rica in rhythmia they would have like a ceremony for 80 people with 16 shamans and when i'm thinking of it i'm thinking i mean i I can see how that might work because the uh, girl who was talking to me talking to me about it said that it was never like you needed support and it was not there. So like always the energy and the, let's say oneness in the room would make it so that you always need, get support whenever you need it. But still, I personally would feel good with like 79 other people and only 16 shamans. So like in your mm -hmm. perspective, what is your, what is the ratio of like shamans or support people, let's say, because they not, don't necessarily all have to be shamans, but like at least, you know, people to hold you or to call a shaman in need or whatever. So yeah. Uh, I think the sweet spot for me is probably like eight participants, uh, a shaman and one or two assistants. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I prefer the intimate ceremonies. I've been in some of those big, like 80 people ceremonies and it was a shit show. Like it was chaos. And I was just like, wow, like I can see the amount of healing that's happening here, but it lost the, some of the intimacy that happens in the smaller ceremonies. But I also think that's also a matter of preference. When I mean ratio, it's almost like, do I feel overpowered by masculine energy here? Mm. Do I feel like there's only masculine healers? Is there like at least a few women that I know are around the room that if mm -hmm. I'm feeling unsafe, I can like reach out to them. I can call them in. So it's more of a internal 
compass of determining what's the appropriate ratio that feels safe to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. And so how would you compare the, let's say, eight people versus 80 people ceremony? Like, what was the difference for you? How can you describe it? Wow. The difference is that in the 80 people ceremony, there was so much energy that I, I, like, I couldn't, I had no control over my body. It was like, Whoa! like having a volcano exploding out of me. And just trying to like hold all of that. I don't know exactly how the energy moves, you know, whenever you're you're moving that much. But I come with my share of of traumas and shadows, and also my my golden shadow, right? Like parts, divine aspects of myself I haven't recognized, and so does everybody there. So whenever I'm in a smaller group, it's like we know, we, like I don't know if you've been in in ceremonies, like there is like this dynamic that happens in every ceremony where there is always one person that maybe triggers the fuck out of you a little bit too much. And then it is part of the healing. Like it's part of like this whole magical thing that happens and in, in like hospital ayahuasca, because that's what it feels like. So it's um whenever they're smaller to me, it feels like there is a little bit more, more spaciousness, more tenderness to heal the the humanity in us like the relationship of community whenever it's like 80 it's like there's no community because it's like i i'm not gonna connect with 80 people in this retreat but if i am in a tiny little retreat with five or ten people i will connect with all of them because and i think that is part of the healing so for me the reason why now i prefer only small ceremonies is because i understand that the healing that happens in ayahuasca is not only in ayahuasca it's also through the human connections that we made whenever we journey together we like meet together in those little pockets metaphysical pockets of of ceremonial space to do healing work and we get to also receive the gifts and help each other move some of those traumas Mm, beautiful yeah that's what i actually felt on uh, one of the breathwork uh sessions here we had in uh, Nosara where I felt like I'm going through my stuff but then it was actually copy paste what the person next to me on this side was going through and then copy paste of what my mom on the right side of me was going through and I felt like our energies just like mixed together into one and kind of like let's say the grief of a person next to me triggered my grief and then my mom's like some stuff triggered also something in me and I was like when we were sharing afterwards what we were going through I'm like I pretty much went through the same things as it's like a symphony just next to me, right? So it's like this yeah. one is why, but I can imagine if it was like 80 people, it would be just chaos. Like I, I personally probably wouldn't wouldn't want to do it, but maybe for experiencing the chaos, if someone is like up for it, then maybe it's great, you know. Maybe for some people, this is what yeah. they need. So um let's not disregard anything here, but um yeah, everyone should listen to their own intuition and to their own preferences, right? To their own heart. And if their heart says yes, then great. Then and trust it and uh, you know go for it but yeah otherwise just be be very conscious and so what were and i know it's gonna be a hard question to answer okay i'm aware of it but what were your like best revelations on ayahuasca or ch- just something that you've experienced that was like oh my freaking god this was like one of the best experiences of my life or one of the weirdest experiences of my life or like something that was like really yeah just a breakthrough for you the biggest breakthrough, I'll say this is like at the beginning of my journey with Aya. Um, I remember, I don't know why I asked this, because I, I remember getting into the space after a big purge and I was just like, is God real? Like that was my question to like the cosmos. And I hear this super sweet feminine voice like, well, of course I'm real. And I was like, and I 
felt it. I was like, oh, okay, so if you're real, then what am I? Like, who am I in relation to you? And when I asked that question, the medicine took me through like the creation of the cosmos and consciousness moving from, from animal to like flower to a butterfly to a child looking at the butterfly and then the meeting. And I saw like a paintbrush and an artist about to hit the canvas. And whenever the canvas hit the brush, it was like you enter into oneness again and it's like starts all over again another universe like every time there was an union there was another creation of another universe and I was just like oh my god oh my god like in that ceremony um the shaman told me that I just kept saying like oh wow wow oh god because it was so overwhelmingly beautiful because for me that was my first time experiencing eternity and that changed everything because once you experience we can con cognitively know about eternity we can talk about it we can discuss it in concepts but when you experience it there's no words the moment you put a word into it it limits the experience of of infinity so just the only thing I had to say in that moment was like oh my god wow wow you know just the shock of receiving that that for me was one of the most beautiful and also the most important ceremony because that was that initial opening I mentioned it was like it was the first crack and after that I was like ready to receive all of the healing mm, yes. wow that sounds so beautiful oh my god <laughs> I feel like I'm hugged now by this uh, you know consciousness of your experience like it's just so beautiful <laughs> when you talk about it and did you have also like very challenging ceremonies like mo most of your ceremonies were like beautiful or also no you know, like, uh, extreme <laughs> darkness with it no most of my ceremonies have been extreme darkness however at the end I always get a piece of candy you know like it's always like okay you went through all of this let me just shower you with love I always get showered with love at the end I always find resolution at the end of my ceremonies with the exception of one ceremony that it didn't feel complete uh, and I will say that was my darkest, darkest ceremony, which was one where I was with a, in a group of 80 people. And um, in my in my opinion, I feel like the shamans did not have the capacity to hold that many people. And mm -hmm. they had they didn't have the capacity also to like hold me and the container exploded. So the woman in the container started just like, Whoa! like huge releases and I've never felt so out of control in my life because my body was also in a very animalistic aggressive energy I was feeling the energy of the dark goddesses Persephone Lilith Medusa like Kali just right there alive in full expression and that was scaring some of the shamans so they did like they just decided to tie me up and gag me and in that moment what? I was just like I was like, they don't understand fucking healing. These shamans, so-called traditional shamans from the jungle, do not understand feminine healing. I and can't believe, but what, what, again, they, they literally like. Tied me up. They, they grabbed like five men, pinned me down on the ground, tied me up and then gagged me. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh my uh -huh. freaking God. Like that's the worst you can do for healing something like that. Ever. That is the worst thing you could do. But you know what? It's so crazy, right? Because it's the worst. But what happened then is that when I was like completely immobilized and just in that loss, because I didn't have control over my body, I remember thinking just, okay, no one is going to heal you. 
No one is going to help you because they're all scared. They don't understand what's happening. You will think that they did, but this, these were young shamans, right? There wasn't an elder in that room. That's why I, I voice the importance of having an elder in the room. Um, and whenever I was in that in that state, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to heal myself. And inside, I'm like singing myself Icaros and like doing whatever I've learned from like all the previous years from, from the shaman that I, I sat with, that I trusted, because this was like a, a more a retreat. Um, I I pulled myself out of that. Like I, I became my own shaman. And that was a very deeply healing, empowering moment for me because I'm like, wow, I really did that. I didn't think I was capable, yet I did. So this experience was truly transformational for me. However, that doesn't justify the responsibility and the lack of um, just, uh, yeah, the lack of responsibility from the, the people running the retreat and the, the main shaman, the one that gave the order, like, yeah, tie her up and gag her. It's it's not trauma informed. It's not how people heal. It's not responsible. It's, it's very... Um, yeah. So I like my experience sacred for me, transformational. And I still want to give a voice to, to the part of me that had to work through the trauma of feeling so attacked during a healing ceremonial space. They're both exist and they're both equally alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. That's such a crazy experience. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I bet it was like traumatic to be just tied up in your, you know, darkest stuff. Like I can't even imagine that, but all in all, it's everything, like everything works perfectly for you. Cause if it wasn't for that, maybe you wouldn't discover your inner shaman as deeply as you discovered thanks to that. So like all in all, mama Aya knows what's up and uh, yes. <laughs> she knows like yes. exactly what you need. Even if it's a, having a shitty shaman to, you know, on the experience to get something out of it. Well, you probably got something out of it anyway. And ju- it's just then about like having awareness. Cause like if someone doesn't have awareness and someone wouldn't have all these ceremonies as you previously have had then it would be really bad for them right but for you um it was actually like great because you discovered parts of yourself that you haven't maybe uh, gave voice to before um but i feel mm-hmm. like if someone is for example doing it for the first time and something like this happens that would be like probably one of the worst experiences for them ever like i can't yeah. even imagine that oh my god mm-hmm. crazy crazy yes but yeah, it I'm, was. I'm just really happy that we are talking about it you know because like I see a lot of people even here in Costa Rica like people are so familiar with all these medicines and ayahuasca but like I've also heard many many stories about people who would just really abuse it and I just think it's such an important topic to talk about so I'm super grateful for you sharing your stories about it and you know being so open about it too because that could help people just yeah see these red flags if they show up and then not to end up in an experience that could be actually like mentally breaking for them rather than mentally building in a way and because these medicines can can be like I I, you know I know a person who just went a little bit too far and he's in psychiatric hospital now because he didn't have proper guidance he didn't have proper like care and container and like you know it's it's really dangerous um, to do it especially on your own so having people like the elders or people who have at least done the medicine so many times that they really know what they are doing and they are really connected to it and they are just called by ayahuasca herself to work with it right because like you need to also 
hear the calling inside um, to work with the medicine. Yeah, like I believe that there are some people like this, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing all that because it's really, really valuable for, for everyone. And so mm -hmm. let's uh, get into this topic of feminine receptivity because that's what I'm really curious about. And I'm also mm -hmm. exploring it within myself, especially in the context of business because I feel like a lot of people that are into business, like for example, one of my, um, let's, let's call him business mentors. I've been recently like diving deep into uh, Alex Hormozzi. He, is, he has really, really good content. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a multimillionaire with a lot of like companies, sales of success and so on. And I love his message and I love like, you know, all these people out there, they are usually achiever personality type that, that are successful. But I'm more like, an, I'm actually like a, a loyalist, a wing enthusiast, Enneagram type, which means like, I just want to enjoy my life. I just want to be mm -hmm. like chill. I just want to live Pura Vida. I just want to like most of my life, I just want to be on the beach and meditate. And like, you know, of course, create some content, of course, provide some value, of course, run some events and, you know, uh, be coaching and whatever, and whatever I'm doing there, teaching people how to heal and, and so on. But most of my life, I pretty want to be on holidays. Like, you know, yeah. that's just how I want to roll. And all these things yes, you, you take got massive it. action and like have the plan and like do this and do that. And I'm just thinking, yes, and also just manifest things and let it be easy and joyful and relaxed and so on. So having said all that, I'm curious about your perspective uh, when it comes to business and just life, because it's really the same. Like if you have something in your life, you'll spill it over your business and the other way around. So like, what about this feminine receptivity in business? Like how far we can go when it comes to just being, oh yeah, I'm just manifesting my dreams. Everything will just come easy to me and I can just be receptive versus I'm actually getting shit done and I need to be in my masculine and have a structure and have a routine and, you know, do all these things. Like what is your um, stand on it? Because I'm really curious. Yeah, so I what you're describing, I'm all about slow living, which means just having time for leisure, for me being with myself to go meditate. Time is time becomes kind of like my most valuable asset because whenever I have time, then I can be just be, just be with me, not do the things, but be with me. Now, when it comes to running a business, you can't really run a business just by being. That is virtually impossible. But you can create a business with a very um, balanced way of being. Now, this is this is trial and error for me. I'm still figuring out the specifics, like the right structure. But what I found is that I work better seasonally, which means that when I'm working, like I work and I work hard. But once I'm done and my tank is kind of like, okay, I'm gassed out, then it's all about the spaciousness. For that, you really need to, you know, learn how to manage your finances. You really need to like manage your mind because then let's say you have a 20K month. It's like, oh, 20K, you know, let's go here. Let's get the nice place. But if I look at it from like, I do seasonal work, that means it's like, okay, this 20K are going to cover me like hold me until this time, whenever my next season of production comes into play. So being creating your own budget, creating your own um, like way of, of utilizing your resources, not what the finance gurus online say, not what the most successful businessmen say, because if you want to create a super successful empire in that way, you can't just follow their path, which is work hard. Don't stop. Go, go, go say yes. That's not me at all. Like I, I, I want to, I want to receive. So 
the, the, the energy of receiving in business is, is also the energy of resourcefulness because there are times when like I haven't had money to invest on the business and I need the help because that thing that I need that needs to be done for the business, I don't want to do it. It does. There's no part of me that's excited about it. So I'm like, somebody else needs to do it, but I don't have the funds to do it. I use trade. Like I negotiate with people. Like I figure ways of saying like, what do you need help with? I need help with this. I can, I can help with these things. How can we work together and collaborate? If, or the country, like if I have a really exciting program that I want to make and I don't have that many people buying, then I create like a donation-based model. And I was like, come, like I, at this point, I don't care. And from that, it's not, it doesn't become so linear. So I'm like, so like this thing leads to that, but it's more of, of a game. And as you're playing with yourself, you create a machine that can house your magic based on how you operate, based on what you've got. Everything that you don't want to do in a business, then you have to hire somebody to do it for you. That's the true reality, very grounded reality of running a feminine business. It's not like I'm just going to sit here and attract it. it. There is a lot of that, right? But it doesn't come in that like super hyper magical way. It comes more into like somebody needs an opportunity and I can do this for them or I have this much money or we can figure out this split on, you know, these profits for this thing that we're going to do together. That has been a way that I have deeply, deeply received. And the biggest one for me is whenever I, I realized I was like, OK, it's about slow living, like slow living is where it's at because that creates the most harmony, both physically and with our environment. Um, I realized that I had to make sure that I lived a very very conscious life, meaning I'm very conscious of what I'm spending, what I'm using, where I'm living. I make sure that my like my survival is taken care of. And that piece for me, it comes in many ways. It doesn't only come from my business. It comes through my family. It comes through my partner. Like I, I ask for what I need. So whenever I, I, I was in transition, I told my parents, can you guys support me? And what I mean, support me, I mean, let me live there, eat there, provide me a car and money for gas. Like, that's that's what I mean by support. And they're like, yes. And then whenever, you know, my business was good, I was like, okay, I got it now. I'm good. And, and then there are moments where that survival thing came in. And then I asked my partner and he's like, everything you want. Yes. Like, everything I want is always available for me. But it's learning to, you know, it's the art of, first of all, learning to be open learning to receive because receiving is not easy receiving feels like it's like it's like uh yeah it's like here in the chest it feels like you're being cracked open so it's not a pleasant feeling at first when you're not used to receiving if you're an overgiver or if you're like super masculine because that's what society conditions you to be to open up feels a little painful and once we get to that place, then we we make art with what we're feeling. We learn to ask for what we need. Like I, I have clients, I'm not kidding. I have clients where whenever um in, in my mastermind, like there's something that I need for my business. I send an email. I was like, all right, ladies, like I need this much money. Who can help me? Here's a donation link. It creates such a deep bond between me and my clients because there's this like transparency, you know, openness of like, like this is this is where it's at. And at the end of the day, we all want to make sure that we are taken care of, that our necessities are covered and that we have enough 
to pursue our, our, our joy, to pursue the things that let us play and be children again and let us adorn ourselves. And, and we want to also have resources for art and beauty. And these things are as equally important as these other like safety. There's no hierarchy whenever you look at life from this perspective. It all becomes an, an like an, an orchestra of different energies moving through. So I think delegation like is the most practical advice for a feminine business. So you can hold the energy of your business, but there is other people doing the thing. You still need masculine energy to build a profitable business that is going to last the test of time and creating ways of finding evergreen ways of making money. Something that is making you making you money, bringing in that. So there is spaciousness to create more time for you. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And yeah, I can relate to it a lot because if I feel resistance to doing something, like sometimes I can just get over it and just like feel the feeling and do it anyway. But sometimes it just feels so misaligned like that I just can't handle it like I wanted to learn Facebook ads but then I went through like two uh, classes in the course and I'm like no oh my I god me too it. like, I just, did that no. same thing I got to, I went through like a course of Facebook ads and at first lesson I was like no fuck this I just cannot I cannot yeah <laughs> so then we need to figure out a way and I love what you said about like figuring out a way how you can exchange value maybe you can split the profit or maybe like if you have a product and if you have a service that you really believe in and you know that it's gonna be good then you can uh, partner up with some marketer and you know maybe it's gonna be even better for you because then this person is gonna be also motivated to help you because they would also make money uh, based on what you what you're you know offering and based on their work but yeah I love what you said about like okay I I have this skill I can exchange it for this and this is what I need I I love how uh, how you talk about it because that's also how I want to live you know it's more like a oneness vibe in terms of I have a value and you have some value let's exchange and I feel like for a lot of people there is a block like okay I'm not going to start my own business because I don't have money or I don't have money to invest or I don't have you know whatever but then if you just have creativity and skill and not necessarily money you can actually already do a lot because like you can already mm -hmm. you know swap in a way like in the past where there was no actual physical money or you know numbers in the bank people would just like exchange and money mm -hmm. is the energy of exchange so if we can really like come up with the ways how we can exchange it and also be open and receptive as you said to um to the energy of money just you know to the exchange that it can happen then we can be way more fulfilled and i yeah i, I just love it uh how you said it <laughs> about delegation because i feel like yeah i want to hold and i want to have a little bit of masculine energy in my business but honestly most of the time i just want to freaking relax and i just yes. want to you know, take action <laughs> that are aligned like if i feel like recording like a reel or whatever i'm gonna do it and then i'm gonna record five in a row but the next day if i'm on my period i don't feel like recording at all i'm just gonna be like laying down and being my period right so i feel like this this just alignment with your with your own self and knowing yourself on a deep level knowing what you actually want to do and what you don't want to do and where you can ask for support is just so important so as you said self-awareness is like the the key in here as well right what you need to be aware of what you need you need to be aware of how you want to actually live your life because then you need, your business needs to be in alignment with your lifestyle like you you need to wake up at the time that you want to wake up not you know when the business tells you to wake up like you're you have your own business so that you have freedom so that you can actually schedule when you're waking up and whether you do yoga or whether you like make a smoothie first or whether you just go and 
journal on the beach first because that helps you or whatever, right? So it's always an individual way um, of doing things. But yeah, I love what you shared about like asking for support and everything. And one thing that I also wanted to mention, I'm curious about if, you, if it was uh, your experience too. Like even today, I uh, heard something. I don't remember what like what exactly the quote was, but I'm going to paraphrase it. Something like that pretty much you need to kind of like be okay with failure if you want to succeed like that failure is like just a step towards success right like you will fail in your business and even like Alex Homozi says something about marketing being just another uh, word for like fancy word for testing like for a test right so you're like always testing always checking and so do you also feel like it's a journey and it's always going to be elements where you fail in some way at least but then you like stand up even stronger and then you like move forward did you was it also your experience on your journey yeah and I had to really work with that the word failure because the word failure is so charged with like defeat that it can be very demoralizing so whenever I'll have like a failed launch it was it's like oh my you know you make can mean so much but then I was like okay I had a launch that did not it didn't have the magnetic power you needed to attract the right clients right so it's just i realized that product doesn't fit with my audience what's the next one so that that i love what you said it's like it is an experiment like it's experimenting with different things and then the thing about it is that when we start, I don't know if this was the case for you, at least for me, when I started my business, I like channeled one offer and I was so attached to it because it was the first one and it's like your baby. And whenever it doesn't work, like you feel like you need to go back to, you know, a nine to five job. And, and the moment you open up that first offer, right. And it fails, fails unquote, and then you let it go. They're letting go. It's like, it pulls even more creativity to flow through. And then the next one comes. And then you do that one, ah, better, but not quite. And you keep going until you find one that you're like, I will do this for free. For free, I will sit here and do this thing for free. And then people are giving you their feedback saying like, I love being here. I like, this is, this gave me this transformation. You're like, bingo, that's my offer. That takes time. That takes years. Same thing with the way you do marketing. How, do, how does your company do marketing? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work until you figure out the way it works. And then this set of, of procedures, that's what a business is. It's just a set of procedures that support your talents so that you can receive wealth and abundance through them while simultaneously feeling like you're being of service to the planet and to the people you serve. Oh, Wow. Perfect. I'm going to leave this uh, episode with yes. that thought because I feel like it needs to sink into uh, the people because it was so beautiful what you said and how you put it. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's like, oh, but one mm. last little question to you. What is the best way to see your content and to find you if someone that is listening really resonates with you and they want more? Best way to find me is on Instagram and my website. It's Silvana.isasa and my website is Silvanaisasa.com. Um, on my Instagram, you can find on the link uh, a free guide to help you move from healing to thriving and just create more of the spaciousness needed for as love life. And that's completely free, available there. 
Oh, beautiful. Thank you so, so much, beautiful sister, for sharing yourself with our audience. It's been a pleasure. I, I feel like I could even talk to you way longer than we have scheduled, but I know you have to go soon. So I'm sending you massive love and gratitude here from Costa Rica, from the jungles, uh, straight to Arizona where you are. And yes. yeah, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. I appreciate you so much, sister. <laughs>